You're listening to Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins for Thursday, February 1st. I'm Lee Zimpel, your news director. And I'm Tyler Weatherwax, your assistant news director. And we are the voices behind the Rocky Mountain Review news broadcast that airs every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. As always, we here at the Rocky Mountain Review strive to give you the most up-to-date, unbiased, and factual news. On today's show, an RA passed away in Aspen Hall last week. Tyler will go into it with the university is handling it and how you can do what you can do if you need help on campus news. And a possible murder-suicide in Fort Collins happened this week. Learn more about that with Lee and local news. Then Tyler sits down with two ASCSU members to talk about the possibility of removing taxes on textbooks bought on campus. Later on in the broadcast, Meta and Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg is faced forced to apologize to families while him and other large social media corporations testify in a Senate hearing. And with that, we'll get started with campus news. Hello, I'm Tyler Weatherwax, and this is your Colorado State University campus news. On January 24th, a student of Colorado State University passed away in Aspen Hall. Alana Vincent was a resident assistant for the fourth floor of Aspen Hall and was a senior geography major. CSU Police Department records show that the report came at 4.38 p.m. The office of the Larimer County Coroner is undergoing a death investigation, and there is no threat to campus according to the university. CSU Director of Integrative Communications Nick Olson said, quote, We are sad to share the new member of our Colorado State University community. Alana Vincent was majoring in geography and had been serving in her third year as a resident assistant. She came to CSU as an international student from Malaysia. She was an excellent student and a wonderful student leader. Our thoughts are with her family, the students, and the faculty who shared classes with her and members of the university housing and dining services community who knew her. Students affected by Vincent's passing are encouraged to call Student Case Management at 970-491-8051 or visit the CSU Health Network, Mental Health and Wellbeing Resources for Students, at their website. This story comes from the Rocky Mountain Collegian. Scientists at Colorado State University were able to conduct important research on drought conditions. The Central Plains Experimental Range in Weld County was able to mimic drought conditions by building rainout shelters. The shelters were constructed to help with the process that was able to block out 66% of precipitation to create extreme drought. The conditions lasted for a year. 43 other drought experiments were conducted on five other continents. During the time of the experiments, results showed that 60% of shrubs and grasses were lost. The impacts of the drought conditions could have devastating impacts on ranchers, wildlife, and the climate as grass stores large amounts of carbon to help keep CO2 out of the air. Contributions from this story come from Nine News Denver. Veterinarians at CSU are working on some exciting new research as well. The College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences is working on new research that is looking into how immune cells react in horses with common joint diseases. The research could help prevent the spread of joint diseases and even help humans with their own joint diseases. Coming up next is Lee with a local news story on a possible murder-suicide in Fort Collins and much more. In local news, Fort Collins police are investigating a possible murder-suicide after finding two bodies inside a home Monday. In a press release, the city says authorities were responding to a call about a possible hostage situation. The call was made by an acquaintance of a woman, and it was reported the woman was being held against her will by her husband in a home in a neighborhood near the LeMay and Drake intersection. Police responded to the call and surrounded the home, and according to the release, they didn't hear signs of distress. After failing to make contact with anyone inside, the Fort Collins SWAT team then arrived to help, as officials were not sure at this point about whether the hostage report was true. 
Before officials could legally enter the home, a search warrant was drafted. The release says as the warrant was being written, authorities worked with Pooter Fire Authority to make sure that neighboring homes were safe. Then once the warrant was completed, the SWAT team made a forced entry into the home. Officials say this is when two adults were found deceased inside and nearby was a firearm. So far, the discovery is leading police to investigate the scene as a likely murder-suicide case. In the release, Deputy Chief Greg Yeager said, quote, This is an incredibly sad case for all involved and certainly not the outcome anyone was hoping for. Yeager also said officials will investigate thoroughly to hopefully get answers for everyone. The city says the official cause of each death and the identities of each will be released by the Larimer County Coroner sometime in the future, and the process of notifying their families is in the works. For now, the investigation is ongoing, and officials are asking anyone with information to reach out to Fort Collins Police. Larimer County locals hoping to preserve the Poudre River are suing the Army Corps to delay the construction of a dam north of Fort Collins. The lawsuit was filed last week from a nonprofit group called Save the Poudre. For decades, Save the Poudre has been around with the goal of preserving the river. Now the group is challenging the Army Corps of Engineers' approval of the Northern Integrated Supply Project, or NISP. The NISP is a long-delayed $2 billion plan to build two reservations and extensive water pipelines. The project has been in the works since 2005, when it was proposed to cost about $144 million. To put that into perspective, today's cost of $2 billion is over 15 times more expensive than the original proposal. With the project facing delays for over two decades, last week's lawsuit argues the plan violates National Environmental Policy Act and the Clean Water Act because it relies on an outdated environmental impact statement. Save the Pooter says the end to consider other methods that would be less harmful to the river's ecosystem. In a release from the group, they say the project would divert a large amount of water from the Cache Laputa River, which would harm wildlife and the river itself, and also hurt recreation sites like the Laputa River White Rotter Park. The release also says the river is already depleted by farms and cities, and that the NISP would take what's left of it over some months and years. Save the Pooter leader Gary Walkner says the organization behind the project called Northern Water refused to compromise with environmental advocates or with local officials. Walkner says the city of Fort Collins still hasn't laid out guidelines for the pipeline route, so with the project getting a green light despite other important pieces of the plan still being figured out, the lawsuit is asking a federal judge in Denver to reject the Army Corps' permit. Northern Water works with a handful of cities and water providers, and their goal is to add drinking water pipelines for a fast-growing northern Colorado. The group says they hope to start building the dams by the end of this year. Northern Water spokesperson Jeff Stala says the group hadn't had the opportunity to look over the issues brought in the lawsuit, but that they're confident the permit would hold up in Denver based on their work over the years. The issues brought to light in the lawsuit have held steady over those same years, though, and Save the Pooter, along with other advocates, have been arguing that there are less harmful ways to better meet environmental goals while still upholding Northern Water's goal to adapt and serve a growing population. Contributions to this story come from the Colorado Sun and CBS. That was the latest in your local updates. My name is Lee Zimpel. Coming up, Tyler will walk you through the latest in local events and more for Life and Events News.
KSU is supported by the Armory, supporting live and local music in Fort Collins. Upcoming shows include Steve Poltz on Saturday, February 3rd. Tickets and info at armoryfoco.com. Hello, I'm Tyler Weatherwax with Life and Events. Art students at CSU helped people to learn to age gracefully. The art students worked with Columbine Health Systems Center for Healthy Aging. The CSU students displayed things called zines. Zines are magazines that are self-published magazines with very small circulation. The center provided information on how to age gracefully in the collaboration. A new restaurant has opened in Fort Collins located in Old Town. Yellow Crunch is the new restaurant that serves Colombian food. The restaurant gets its name from Colombian food's rich use of crunchy yellow cornmeal. If you're looking for something new to try, this may be just your place. Contributions for these stories come from the Rocky Mountain Collegian. One of Colorado's best-known hotels, the Broadmoor, will be celebrating Colorado appreciation. The hotel will offer some lower prices in the month of February with deals on rooms and dining. Contributions for this story come from the Gazette. Now for a look at current trends. The New York Times bestsellers fiction list currently includes Random in Death by J.D. Robb in the number one spot, Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros at number two, Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros at number three, The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store by James McBride at number four, and First Lie Wins by Ashley Eltson at number five. Nonfiction includes Killer of the Flower Moon at number one by David Grant, The Boys in the Boat by Daniel James Brown at number two, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel Vanderkolt at number three, The Wager by David Grant for the fourth spot, and The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel Vanderkolt, Oath and Honor by Liz Shenny at number five. The top songs on Billboard's Hot 100 list is Lovin' On Me by Jack Harlow. Number two is Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift. Greedy by Tate McRae rises to number three. Number four is Losing Control by Teddy Swims. Yes And by Ariana Grande falls to the sixth spot. Billboard's seventh spot is Agora Hills by Doja Cat. Paint the Town Red by Doja Cat falls to the 8th spot. Snooze by SZA is in the 9th spot. And the 10th spot in Billboard's Top 100 is Red Rum by 21 Savage. And let's take a look at what your KCSU DJs are playing this week as well. The number 2 most spun song this week was Hoiser's All Things End. The 4th most played song was Mitski's The Deal. Modern Woman by Tennis took number 8. And if you want to hear 10 of the most played songs from KCSU's very own DJs, visit kcsufm.com to read the full list for the weekly countdown. Looking at some local events happening soon tonight, you can catch some live music from Banshee Tree and Yak Attack. The bands blend indie pop, psychedelic rock, and jazz to create their own sound. These two live performances will be at the coast in Fort Collins with doors opening at 8 p.m. tonight. Tonight at the Aggie Theater, too, is Level Up. The dubstep artists will perform some dance-worthy songs with doors opening at 9 p.m. Tomorrow night at the Aggie Theater is Mipso with Cade Hoffman. The band play Americana music, and so does Cade Hoffman, with a bit more of a country twist to it. Be prepared for some great music from Mipso and get your lighter ready for their slow, delicate, and beautiful songs. The night will start at 8 p.m. Saturday night, make sure to put on your boogie shoes for Gimme Gimme Disco. The Aggie Theater will have DJs playing ABBA hits as well as other funky disco artists. Go and get groovy on the dance floor Saturday night starting at 9 p.m. Coming up, learn how ASCSU is working to help make attending Colorado State University more affordable with their changes coming to the bookstore that could save you a little extra on your textbooks. 
I'm Tyler Weatherwax with your Rocky Mountain Review feature story. ASCSU has taken on a new goal of eliminating taxes on textbooks students purchase for classes here at CSU. Listen to our interview with Braxton Dietz, Chief of Staff for ASCSU, and Michael Stella, Director of Governmental Affairs for ASCSU, who go into their work that they are doing for the students of CSU. Would you mind telling me uh, your name along with what you do here at ASCSU? Yep, so it's Ashton Duffield. I'm the Director of Finance, so basically I run the board for student organization funding. We actually have our meeting later tonight, but we just hear like student organizations present to us and ask for funding for events. Uh, they can be up to 15000 for the whole year. So we've had some really big events so far. Uh, one that stands out is like Indian Night, where there's like a lot of Indian dances and traditions and it was like over like 1,200 people came. So it was super cool. Very interesting. But, um, and then I'm sure you've heard about this, that ASCSU is trying to push for removing the taxes on the textbooks uh, for students here at uh, CSU. Could you tell me a little bit about why ASCSU is removing the taxes from the textbooks itself? Right. So from my understanding, it's been Michael and Nick working on it mm-hmm. the most. We work with lobbyists and representatives on uh, LSAB, which is the Legislative Strategy Advisory Board, and we vote on, like, if we think we should support this bill or we're against it, but with our lobbyists, we've been working a lot with, like, trying to get uh, several bills passed, but, like, textbook bill has been really big. I know Nick was thinking about that at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, I think the textbook, something that can be changed from, like, a student. Yeah. Because uh, there's a lot of things that just students can't affect because we're right. student government. But I think, like, working with lobbyists is really important. Yeah, so my name is Michael Stella. I'm the Director of Governmental Affairs here at ASCSU. So my job really is to connect students uh, with policymakers on, on every level of government in Colorado. Um, it is to improve the lives of students, whether it's the cost of textbooks, the cost of higher education, the cost of housing, uh, any way that we can use our connections with the government to improve the lives of students. That's really how I see my role. Very interesting. And can you tell me a little bit about why ASCSU is removing taxes from textbooks? Definitely. I think as the cost of higher education continues to increase, you know, if you're graduating this year, you have probably seen your tuition go up three years. Mm-hmm. The only year it didn't go up was your first year because of COVID. The Board of Governors decided to have a tuition freeze. So anyway, we can give students a little bit more breathing room. Uh, you know, a lot of times when you pay for textbooks, you pay for them up front uh, at the bookstore. It's not like student loans where you can defer that payment uh, to later in life. But if we can give students a little bit more breathing room, especially when a third of our students are food insecure, uh, if you spend a day in the office, you, you can't go 15 minutes without someone uh, coming to the food pantry. So if we can put money back in the pockets of students, um, you know, it's just finding those creative ways where we can save students money. Was the process kind of looked for both of you of, you know, getting this to happen and actually, you know, this is a pretty, like, bold thing to happen, I feel like, you know, removing taxes from these textbooks. Can you just walk me through, like, what was that process like and what was the process of making those plans and helping those students become a reality and where you're at now in that process? Yeah, I could start. Uh, Michael's definitely been, I'd say, probably the most involved with this bill. Mm. But from my perspective, like on LSAB, just hearing different bills that are coming up and what we can do as students to discuss, like what problems students face. I know we were talking about at the beginning, like 
what supplies would count for a textbook, would like art supplies count, but we really wanted to encompass something for every student and what would make the most good for the community. So from my perspective, I would just say, looking at how Michael has been increasingly driven to help the student body through actual change when there is a lot of times where ASCSU in the past hasn't really done a lot of change, but I think this administration uh, has really impressed me and I'm proud to work on it. Definitely. So I, I think the story starts back in May um, when when the the Silver Silverheart administration took over. Mm. Um, I think it was whatever day the Colorado, Colorado legislature uh, adjourned last year. The day after, uh, we had Bouchon Castle Public Affairs come to the office uh, for a pre- preliminary interview. Uh, we kind of started the conversations of you know we want to do something at the state level. Yeah. Um, and then over the summer, uh, Nick DeSalvo, the student body president, had a conversation with Mike Ellis, who's He's one of the directors of the LC, mm. um, and they kind of have this conversation of, you know, this has been something that's been talked about in the past, um, but you know, nothing's really moved on it. Um, and then in the fall, when we had the opportunity to hire uh, a professional contract lobbying firm, um, you know, we said if we were spending student fees uh, on a lobbyist, we might as well do something productive for the students. Um, and that was the whole idea of, of hiring a lobbyist. It's passing a bill to state legislature is is a very hard thing to do, uh, and if you don't have someone they're advocating for you every day, then it's it's almost impossible to do. Um, so, so the process, we, um, you know, Nick and, and Mike Ellis came up with this idea. Uh, we took it to Representative Andrew Basenecker, who's our state representative, um, and he was ecstatic to take on take on the bill. Um, each legislature at the legislature or at the state legislature uh, gets a total of five bills, um, and the pre-filed bill is the first bill that they can introduce. Uh, and Basenecker was so excited about this bill that he made his pre-filed bill. Um, so we brought the idea to him, and then he tells uh, legislative legal services at the state capitol about the bill idea. He gives them the rough draft, and then they're the, they're the lawyers. They're the ones who write the bill. Um, and then we, we got a, a draft version of it. Uh, you know, we said, you know, we think this looks good. And, and like Ashton mentioned, something we had to consider was, do we want it to be required course materials? Do we want it to be textbooks? Uh, and we thought, you know, if we're doing this for the first time, it's probably wise to start with textbooks. And then if we... If we can get this passed and, and it helps the students, then maybe in the future we can expand it to um, to required course materials. Um, but where we are right now, the bill will be, it's been introduced on the House floor, uh, so it's an actual bill now, which is exciting. And we're expecting it to go, to, it's going to go to the House Finance Committee, we're expecting the first hearing to be on February 8th when uh, we're under ACSU Day at the Capitol, which we're very excited about, uh, so all students there testify on the bill. The bill, if passed, would go into effect on January 5th, so you can expect to pay the same prices until the spring semester of 2025. Coming up after the break is Lee, who will be going over national news. Find out more on Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg's apology to families as he and other large social media corporations testify to the United States Senate.
what's up, people? This is S.A. from 311, and you're in Fort Collins listening to KCSU-FM, Colorado State University. Welcome back from the break. Here are some of the biggest national updates for this week. Some of the biggest CEOs in tech testified in Senate Wednesday in a hearing over child exploitation on social media. The hearing went over a lot of key issues, including sexual predators, addictive features, and negative mental health impacts. Lawmakers and advocates are saying companies are not doing enough to address them. This week's hearing had CEOs of Meta, TikTok, X, and other social media companies facing a growing concern about the effects of social media on young people. The hearing started with recorded testimony from kids and parents who say they faced exploitation on social media. As the hearing went on, parents quietly held up pictures of their children they lost to suicide. Opening remarks pinned the responsibility of online danger to the CEOs because of the choices CEOs made in designing platforms and the failure to invest in safety measures by prioritizing engagement and profit. In a heated question between Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg and Republican Senator Josh Hawley, he was asked if Zuckerberg ever really compensated any victims. Zuckerberg said he didn't think so, and Hawley asked if the CEO would like to apologize to the families in the gallery. Zuckerberg then turned and apologized directly to parents, adding that Meta was going to continue investing in ways to protect children. Despite the apology and promise, the concern from advocates and parents comes from a feeling companies just haven't invested enough over time. One parent at the hearing said her teen daughter was drawn into content about healthy eating on TikTok and Instagram and that the teen developed anorexia almost fatally within a few months. The hearing had senators and advocates pushing hard on these big tech executives to publicly support online safety measures. And those measures could expose companies to have an even bigger liability for facilitating the spread of child abuse material. The bills lawmakers have tried to build over time have been heavily opposed by the tech industry and by digital rights groups. But with explicit content becoming more easy to come by on social media, including the spread of sexual content with minors, pressure to better moderate their platforms continues to grow. After a pandemic hiring spree, there's been huge waves of layoffs in the tech industry. Last year, over 260,000 jobs were cut. Over time, a lot of those lost jobs included content moderators. With all of these issues being brought to tech executives and with lawmakers and children's advocates pushing for safer platforms, the bigger picture becomes a complicated issue that weighs values like safety and freedom of speech online. In general, there are extremes on both ends when it comes to censorship, and finding a healthy balance on social media has proven difficult over recent years. Information for that story comes from the Associated Press, but with that, here is a quick rundown of what else you need to know. The Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates in increments to curb inflation, but this week those rates will hold steady. This is an indicator that inflation is getting more under control, but it's not completely in the clear yet. The Federal Reserve says it won't lower rates yet because inflation is still running hotter than they want it to be. Then, the second of two girls involved in the 2014 stabbing of their sixth-grade classmate over the online horror character Slenderman is now asking to be released early from a psychiatric hospital. The Slenderman stabbing is well-known in the true crime scene, but if girls Morgan Geyser and Anissa Wire lured their classmate Peyton Lutner to a park after a sleepover. Geisner stabbed her classmate 19 times before the pair of girls left her for dead. Lutner survived the stabbing, but the girls told investigators they did it to protect their families from the fictional character Slenderman. 
Today, now 21 years old, Geyser has been in a psychiatric hospital since pleading guilty, and in April, a judge will decide if she can be released early. And lastly, Israeli forces stormed a hospital in the occupied West Bank on Tuesday, disguised as civilian women and medics. They opened fire inside, killing three Palestinian militants. The hospital says there was no exchange of fire, indicating it was a targeted hit. Israel's military says they were using the hospital as a hideout. That'll wrap up your national news for now. We'll take a break, and when we come back, you'll get the latest in CSU Sports with Austin Martin. Would you like to be a part of a rising industry on your college campus? Well, you should check out KCSU and their podcast department. 90.5 KCSU is Colorado State University's student-run radio station where you can be involved with music, news, sports, and even production and podcasting. Come on down into the basement of the Lori Student Center and talk to a staff member today. Just remember to follow the music. Hi, I'm Austin Martin, sports director at KCSU. Here's what's going on this week in sports. CSU men's basketball started the week off on the road for Border War Classic in Laramie that ended in heartbreak for the Rams. CSU had an 11-point lead with a minute and 11 seconds remaining in the game, and the Cowboys ignited a comeback to force overtime and ended up stealing a victory from the Rams. On Tuesday, the San Diego State Aztecs took on the Rams with a sold-out crowd in Moby Arena. CSU bounced back and got a much-needed win. Isaiah Stevens and Neat Clifford each had 20 points. The Rams will be back in action this Saturday in Fresno, California, taking on the Fresno State Bulldogs. CSU women's basketball began their week off hot with a home victory against San Jose State on Saturday. Congrats to the women's basketball team for selling out Moby Arena for the first time in 25 years. McKenna Hofschild led the way for the Rams with 22 points and dished out five assists along with six rebounds. Then the Rams hit the road to Colorado Springs to take on the Air Force Falcons. The Rams struggled offensively in the first half, scoring only 14 points. Although they had a tough start, CSU battled back, cutting the lead to five, but was unable to make that final push and lost to the Falcons 49-59. Rams women's basketball's next game will be in Fort Collins at 1 p.m. this Saturday as they take on San Diego State. CSU Swim and Dive hosted their senior day celebration in Moby Pool last Saturday against the Northern Colorado Bears. Colorado State won the overall match with a point total of 194-105. to the Rams are back in the pool as they will compete in the Air Force Diving Invitational at the United States Air Force Academy. CSU track and field finished their meet in Golden, Colorado at the Mines Winter Classic last Saturday. Four Rams recorded personal records in the men's heptathlon. CSU's way for this meet by winning the men's heptathlon. Scott recorded the eighth highest heptathlon score in the nation this season. CSU track and field is back in business on Friday as they head to Boulder for the Colorado Indoor Invitational. CSU tennis resumed action at the Fort Collins Country Club against Abilene Christian last Friday. The Rams dominated their matches and won their 14th consecutive home match. 
Congrats to Radka Buskova for being named the Water Pick Athlete of the Week. CSU Tennis will be back in action on February 10th as they host the Missouri Tigers. If you want more CSU sports content, you can tune into Ramblers tonight from 7 to 9 p.m. We cover all things CSU athletics and more right here on 90.5 KCSU-FM. I'm Austin Martin, and this is what's going on this week in sports. This afternoon, the sky was mostly clear and sunny as it peaked to a high of 63 degrees. Tonight, we'll see some increasing clouds through the night and some light and scattered winds. The low will drop to about 31. On Friday, it'll be cloudy, but the high should reach up to 52 degrees. Wind might pick up a little bit in the afternoon, but it shouldn't be blowing anyone away. Then late into Friday night, we should see some rain before 4 a.m. After that, we might see some snow mixed with rain, but that's, uh, there's not a high chance that the snow will stick. It'll be cloudy as temperatures drop to a low of 34. Then as we move into Saturday morning, that mix of rain and snow could carry over until 11 a.m. After that, it's looking like it'll just be pretty rainy. We'll see a high of 42 and some winds as well. Then Saturday night, the snow and rain mix could make a comeback. It might get fairly gusty out there as temps ride a low of 30. On Sunday, it could be another rain and snow morning, but the chance for it is lower than Saturday. The day should stay mostly cloudy, though, and the high will peak at 42 degrees. Sunday night, the weekend will end with a partly cloudy sky and a low of 22. Information comes from the National Weather Service. Thank you for joining us for this week's weather forecast. I hope you have a good weekend, and we'll see you on Tuesday. And that is all for today. We would like to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music. We'd also like to thank the rest of our staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. Only we couldn't do this without you, dear listener, so thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under the news or podcast section. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.